and welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Movies. My name is Ian. And I'm Kelly. Happy holidays, Kelly. <gasps> Why, thank you, Ian. We're doing this a day after Christmas. Yep. Because why wouldn't we? True. It's kind of like, okay, so what's a good filler? We didn't do Die Hard. Someone would do Home Alone. No. Let's do a Nick Cage movie. Yay. To sum up the new year. The fans love it. Woohoo! What number Nick Cage movie is this for us? Is it only two? Yeah. I think we talk about doing a lot more Nick Cage. Uh, no, three. Face Off. Oh, Superman. Yes. So in 2017, we'll definitely have to tackle. Conair. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you beat me to it, Kelly. You beat me to it. <laughs> now, the one I've been pushing, but whatever. We have to find the right time. True. It's just like the reason why we're doing this movie is because it's the right time to do it. Because when else would you do this movie? Sure. And I'll give you that. I think it's a surprise to people, too, that we would do this movie. I kind of forgot it, but this is one of those just forgotten movies. Same here. I think I just happened to see it come up on HBO, and that reminded me, wow, that's like a perfect holiday movie that people wouldn't expect us to talk about. So you consider this a holiday? This is one of those Christmas miracle movies, was it? Absolutely. What else would it be? Freaky Friday. No. Hmm. Tell me Freaky Friday's plot. Uh, you get to live out someone else's life to see their perspective. This is, I get to live out my life had I chosen a different path. Same kind of premise. I thought Freaky Friday was when, like, two family members or something switch places. It happens with multiple personalities in just one, right? Right. You're dealing with two different people. But this is the same kind of a deal. You're getting shoved into a thing that you know nothing about. You're going into it blind. And then you just kind of need to figure it out and make it work. So let's call it a subgenre of okay. that. Then. Yeah, because I put side note. Yeah, I put Freaky Friday in the I don't know. There's some Netflix movie right now. It's called like it's a boy thing, it's a girl thing, or something where a teenage boy and a teenage girl they hate each other. You know, their minds get swapped, and then there's the one where what is that? Thirteen going on thirty or whatever. I see. This is more than the thirteen going on thirty genre because you're dealing with a one entity getting shoved into a different kind of realm. Yeah, I could see that. But I also put this in the, this is like a Christmas Carol slash a wonderful life. Yeah. You know, for the holiday kind of thing. Even though it's just a wonderful life, which is also a holiday. But it's giving you a glimpse kind of like a Christmas Carol. Yeah, I guess. Past, present, future kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're splitting way too many hairs here. Oh, no, no. We're getting very, yeah, no. So for people that haven't figured it out, you know, what holiday movie would have Nick Cage in it, we are talking about... The Family Man. Not Family Guy, which I often get confused with. It's The Family Man. Yes. So, Kelly, tell me your overall impression of the movie. Was it difficult for you to get through this, or were you okay just with the general nature of the film? Uh, the overall, I mean, it was fine. I feel like there could have been a lot more to it. It could have been a much longer movie, and they could have explained a lot more on both ends, because I feel like we're giving you a little bit of the before- a crap ton in the middle, and then eh, we're just going to kind of do something right here, and then it's over. Well, it's two hours and like six minutes, too. I know, which is weird that it feels like it's still not long enough to give you enough of a sense of what's going on. Well, I guess the way I liked it, based on length anyways, was that in the beginning, when Nick Cage is a very rich 
powerful stockbroker or whatever he is, you know, businessman type, you know, it, fill in the blank. Yeah, he's trying to work a merger out. That's the big thing that's happening. He's not a bad guy. And no. that's kind of what I actually liked in this. They didn't ham hand things where it was like, oh, he's a dick to everyone. He was really nice to the guys that worked for him. You know, he expected a lot out of them, but he was nice. He didn't treat anyone like shit. He seemed to help lots of people. You know, right. besides this, the, this you wasn't know. a comeuppance movie. This wasn't he's a dick and now we're going to torture him by doing this to him. Like, it's not that. Right. And that's kind of the thing that I like about it, because they could have easily done this with multiple different people where, oh, he's supposed to be a douchebag. I mean, they could have completely ripped off a Christmas Carol and done it that way, but they didn't have to do it for this one. Exactly. Because the hard part about this movie is that you're supposed to feel sorry for Nick Cage in two different mediums. You're supposed to feel sorry for him as a rich person, and you're supposed to feel sorry for him as a lower middle class person. Yeah, but for different reasons. Absolutely. But I'm just saying it is a hard task that they're trying to pull off where it seems like his life is going amazingly. I mean, I would want his life right now as the rich guy where he's just having you know, one night stands with hot women and he's rich and he works hard and like, there's no, and he's living in New York and works hard and plays hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You tell him Kelly work hard, play hard. Did you make that up? Horrible. (laughs) Yes. I'm copywriting that particular phrase. Just like the happy birthday song. Also one of mine, man, you're all over the place. That's epic. Your issue with this movie is more length based than anything else. Yeah. For the most part, I feel like, they set up this interesting little subtext of this whole alien thing, which I think is a lot of fun with the, with the little girl. And I don't feel like they concluded it too super well, or they didn't give him enough time to really settle into the transition. Like the best way for me to describe this is kind of, it's like overboard. She wakes up in this thing where she's being lied to that these are her kids. And you kind of just need to make it work because you're so awkward because you've never had kids or been around kids before. But that still has a better transition than him start, suddenly starting to like his own kids. Wait, what movie are you talking about? Overboard. I don't know what that movie is. <laughs> Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, where she hits her head and falls overboard, and he kidnaps her because she refuses to pay him, and he makes her raise his kids? Nope. Don't know it. Wow. But I honestly couldn't I couldn't name any Goldie Hawn movies, so... That doesn't shock me. No, but I probably should have known it because it was Kurt Russell, so that's my bad. Yeah, no, 80-something? Oh, well, it makes perfect sense. That's a total 80s... <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm a little surprised by that. I thought there were, besides this being kind of generic, obviously, because you know what's going to happen by the end. I think the ending was still pretty good for what they were working with because they could have gone way overboard, not to use your your term you were just using there, but they could have really made a sappy, sappy ending, which I don't think they did because it is a little open-ended. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, the alien thing. They only needed two lines for that, though. I don't think they needed a whole lot. Like, sure, they could have put some more gags in them. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, I think okay. they could have played that. Like, if you're gonna, if you're giving me that, you gotta give me a lot of that, or don't put it in at all. Because you really didn't have to do it either way. I just, the whole invasion of the body snatchers kind of a feel to it, but it didn't really. It set up a very adorable line, though. That True. whole sequence. Yeah. I mean, that's right. the one thing I would say. In this movie, I think everyone was pretty well acted. Yes. Like, this is Nick Cage in 2000, so he wasn't, maybe you could say he was on the decline. Yeah. But he's got such an expressive face that he didn't overuse it the way that he overuses it with everything else now. Since. Yeah, pretty much since. Ghost Rider. 
Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, come on. Wicker Man. There's a ton. <sighs> oh, yeah, we could. Yeah, no. Face Off. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Anyway. There's a ton. Every single one. But he does right. a very good job in this film just to show the basics of disgust and surprise and general dismissal and misunderstanding of the situations that he's now in that he doesn't understand. Right. T. Leone does a great job with that as well. Yeah, I think for someone that you've been with for 13 years to have what seems like a completely like almost midlife crisis, I think she handles that pretty well. And it's just like, yeah, you're just being weird right now. Like there's, you know, like there's, it wasn't a huge like, why are you suddenly a total jackhole? Well, I think the point is that he must, with the comedy and the way that he is throughout his life, that this isn't that much of a change. Like it's, some of the major incidences are changes, but his general personality isn't necessarily a change. Like it felt like he's had those arguments with her before about this isn't my life. Why didn't I go and do that internship or whatever the fuck? You know, why didn't I do this? It sounds like they've had those arguments before. That sounds hideous. Well, that's what you're supposed to feel bad about is that as this lower middle class family, they still have love and that's great. But at the beginning, you're like, holy shit, there's a lot of stuff you have to get through being a regular human being who's trying to make it in society. True. So it does have its pitfalls. <laughs> it definitely does, no matter what, whether you're married to T. Leone or not. Of course. So what did you think of her portrayal as well? Like, just in general? Um, I kept waiting to hear the cellular phone and for the, the T-Rex to come out of the closet and just start chasing and the screaming and the crying didn't happen seems like that's a different movie kelly one of her better movies there's something about her she's like right gorgeous though even in a at weird, like weird like dharma and greg kind of way like there's something off about you but i really like it when she like is so excited that it's like their sex night <laughs> turning the music off take your <laughs> shit off because you'll be asleep in 30 minutes anyway let's do this yeah there's something about her that just you know you can rely on her through all these stressful situations and that he's probably done that throughout that 13 years that he doesn't remember. Right. But maybe we should actually fill everyone in on the actual storyline of what happened, right? Sure, why not? All right. Twist my arm, why don't you, Kelly? Please. So they start the movie out with Cage and Leone, and I guess it's right after college, right? Yeah. Did they go to law school and then it's after this? Or I'm not exactly sure. So, okay, so they went to college, then they went to law school. And they met in college, right? Right. So they were together all this time. And then he has an internship or a fellowship, whatever you want to call it. He has one in England. And he's only supposed to be there for a year. A year. Now, she's been accepted to whatever school she wants to go to now or whatever. And she's going to go do that. But at the very last minute, pretty much, they're at the airport. And she decides, oh, no, I kind of had this vision of us not getting back together I choose us, let's just go, let's forget this, and we'll just make it on our own, and we'll go do something else, don't go away. And he's like, don't worry about it, it's only a year, I'll see you soon. And she's crying, like, in a way I understand what he did, but in another way I'm like, that would be really, really difficult to leave her like that. What are your thoughts, well, Kelly? You're, no, you're no. more heartless than I am, believe it or not, everyone. Kelly <laughs> is way cold-hearted <laughs> compared to me. You no, know, there was a couple times in this movie where I'm like, so he fixed the situation and you're going to make more money. I don't understand what the problem is. Pack your shit up. Like, why? Why? what's the problem here? I'm assuming that at this point 
in their lives they don't have money because that would oh, be. Oh no, the, no, this is this is starting out. Yeah, this is the very beginning. So that's why I'm assuming why she's not coming with him. Instead, you know what I mean? Like, well, no. It, plus, it's two different paths. It's one of those you're going to go do this great thing, and I'm going to do this great thing, and then in doing this, it's going to set you know put our footstones in both where we need to go career wise, and then if we if we cross paths again, even though everybody wants to think that oh, no matter what, we'll be back together. It's the whole high school thing. So we're going to separate colleges. Darn! Like it's that kind of almost a situation. Yeah, and she. It feels want- deeper than that, but still. True, true. But there were many other options they could have probably gone with. But Nick Cage decides that he's going to go. So they leave that at that point, And then he wakes up 13 years later. You see him with a hot chick who he just met that night. And he's got this amazing New York City Penthouse. apartment. Yeah, it's right. crazy nice and everything. So you're seeing how his life is now without her. He goes to his high-powered business place. And he's setting up this giant merger on Christmas Eve. And he gets right. a notification from his secretary that Kate, who's Leone's character, that Kate has gone ahead and called him after all these years and left a return number, but he doesn't call her back. Mind you, she had her secretary call him and leave that. That's an interesting note, though. And I didn't pick up on that, so good call. Right. And then after this particular point, you can meet, reach her at her house, blah, 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 blah. They set the whole story about how dedicated he is to the job and how much work he does and how much work he does expect his whole company to do as well, especially to pull off this is like a $130 billion merger. Merger. Yeah. So he's already a millionaire. Probably most of the people that work for him are also millionaires. This is just going to continue that trend. And there doesn't seem to be, there's no shady part of this. He's not a bad businessman. Yeah, no, this isn't, you know, Wolf or Wall Street or Wall Street or any of those ones. Yeah, no, it's, and yeah, this is this is the golden parachute group is what it is. So he decides, hey, it's a nice night. He's been working hard. He really doesn't have anything to do on Christmas besides make this merger happen. So he decides to walk home. And when he walks home, he stops in a little like bodega, you know, convenience store. And while he's in there, there's a woman there who's pregnant or with a child. She's carrying an infant. And he's looking at something. And then eggnog. Eggnog, yes. Now, by the way, Kelly, do you like eggnog? Yes. I do not. With or without alcohol, I both. Oh, really? No, I can't yep. do. Mm, no, no, no. Sorry. Side, side note with it being the holidays and all. Did you have a lot of eggnog the other day? Well, no, because it's like 1,200 calories a glass. What? So, like, you have like a half of that. Oh, it's super bad for you. Oh, that's why I don't. <laughs> I also just drink hollandaise sauce. Like, it's the same equivalent. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me cookie dough any day. There you go. So in walks Don Cheadle. No, no. Brody. Is that what you're going to call him? You could say War Machine. I'm fine with that, too. War Machine (laughs) walks in. And he's got a cigar hanging out of his cap. Yeah, very interesting full. Yeah. I guess he's playing the part. He's supposed to be... A stereotype? Yeah, I think that's exactly... A raging stereotype? Exactly. He is supposed to be a raging stereotype at this point. So there are a couple of Asian guys that are running the convenience store, and they're playing off of this stereotype right now. That's what they're doing. It's not us saying this. This is what they're definitely doing in the movie. Absolutely. So he's talking all this stuff. He's going like, hey, B, I got this, I got this. And he's got this winning lottery ticket. It's supposed to be for like 238 bucks. He puts it down, and the guy goes, no, I know this scam. Not serving you. Get out of here. So they kind of go back and forth, and the guy's like, no, no, really. It's for real. It's a legit ticket. Legit. You got to do it. And by like the third or fourth time, 
where this guy is not taking anything from him. He pulls out a gun and he's like, this was your chance. This is for real. Take it. And that's when Nick Cage goes ahead and he steps in and he says, hey, I'll give you $200 for that ticket. War Machine's like, what? He's like, why are you stepping in here? This isn't any of your business. You want to die? And he's like, nope, I'm just making a business proposal. I give you $200. I take your ticket and I make $38 when I turn it in. Business business proposal. So Don Cheadle starts laughing and he's like, deal. And as as he walks out, he looks at the Asian guy behind the counter. He says, that was your chance. It was a real ticket. And he goes, come on, Jack. And that is Nick Cage's name. So how do you know his name? Looks at his war machine. It's in the programming. <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I just like the fact that he takes the 200 bucks, walks out with the eggnog without paying, and then Nick Cage is like, fuck it, I'll pay for the eggnog too. Yeah. The dude starts drinking the eggnog, walking out of the store. Like, peace out, yo. So right now, Nick Cage is definitely a hero. Or so it seems, anyways. Right. As they're walking down the street, War Machine's like, hey, Jack, that's pretty unexpected from you you know i'm i'm really surprised that was great work and at this time jack is thinking hey maybe i can save this guy so he now is talking to him like hey you can get into programs and you don't have to do this life what do you need that gun for like you're gonna end up doing something that you're gonna regret and don Cheadle just starts laughing at him he's like what are you talking about jack like are you trying to save me i think he yells it to everyone he's like this guy's trying to save me like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. This is hilarious. And then he goes, he looks at him and he says, Jack, just remember, you brought this on yourself. And keeps laughing. He's like, just remember, you brought this on yourself. And walks away. Nick Cage makes it back to his apartment, goes to bed. And when he wakes up, he is now laying next to Tay Leone. Right. Kate. Exactly. He freaks out. He hears now, children. You, her head is pretty much in his lap and then you realize that there's other hands and stuff and then she kind of pops out from under the sheets and she's like, I need really strong coffee. Right. And it's Christmas Day at this point. Right. So the kid and other kid who's just making noise, they're all So excited. Andy comes running in with Josh, right. who's an infant. He leaves. Her parents, her in-laws show up. Big Ed, who owns the tire place. And he ends up jumping in a minivan, driving back to New York City because they're apparently in a suburb of Jersey. He rolls back to New York City and basically he can't get into his building and he can't get into his work because everything has changed. He is no longer that person he used to be. Right. He has a Ferrari as well that he's looking for. And it turns out that Don Cheadle has it. Which is even better. Yeah. Don Cheadle... (laughs) Brings him into the car and then tries to explain things to him. And what I liked about it was it seemed like not that this wasn't fate, but it seemed like that was not their plan at all to have this happen. Because basically what you're supposed to think is that Don Cheadle's an angel. Yeah, it's implied that there's there's something going on here. He's some sort of being in this. Because he talks about the upper brass. He talks about upper management. Really, right, right. Yeah, really liking what Jack did that night and not expecting it. So they weren't looking to do this with Jack. They weren't looking right. to give him what they call a glimpse. What's the point of the glimpse? Like, they're making out that he did such a great thing. Why would you torture someone with this? Because I don't believe they're going to think it's torture. Because the end justifying the means. What? They know he's going to want what he doesn't have at that point. And what would, you know, quote unquote, upper management like more than to have love conquer all? They don't care Ew. that... 
want. Well, that's isn't that true though? They don't yeah. they don't care that Jack's making a lot of money. They want you know children to come into the world and stuff. These are two children that didn't get made because he didn't choose this path. So wouldn't upper management want that? So really, we're here for breeding purposes, is what this boils down to. I'm pretty sure it's said directly in religious texts that that is what we're here for. There's two things we're here for, right? Netflix and chilling. <laughs> in that order or not, whatever it happens. You know, however it works out for you. So yes, I'm pretty sure that's why this all happened. But I just like the setup that they weren't looking for him the way other christmas movies and holiday movies more lost souls or teaching a lesson or right this came out because he is a good person and he tried to help someone so they're saying hey we're going to show you how to make your life what they assume is better right we don't have to go through every scene that happened in this movie but basically he has a best friend jeremy piven ari yeah ari who i think does a good job in the movie yeah he's he's believable yeah, he has to, at certain times, talk through issues that Jack's having. Basically saying that, you know, sometimes adult men in the suburbs who are, you know, middle-aged and have their whole lives now, you know, based on their kids and all this kind of stuff, that they often have trouble with Get that. bored. And also wonder, you know, what their life is about and, you What know. it could have been if I'd only blah, blah, blah. Plus, Jack has a friend of theirs who is throwing herself like they've been flirting i guess for the last who knows how many 10 years maybe or so maybe five somewhere around there and she's constantly she's in a marriage with kids as well so now this jack thinks oh well why can't i just go ahead and have sex with this woman have an affair with this woman what does it matter this is a glimpse well then and it's also in the point in the movie where he hasn't really reconnected with um Kate to realize that this is the person that I should have always been with. Like you're still a stranger to me. I haven't seen you in thirteen years and now I just kinda have to live with you with kids. But that's Jeremy Piven's kind of job is to show right. him, you know, because he mentions and I thought this was kind of poignant to the whole topic and stuff. He mentions, he's like, Sure, you could have that as well, but every person around here would kill for Kate. Like, you have the perfect life. Like, you have what every guy wants. I like the fidelity bank analogy. Yeah, that actually was pretty funny. Once, once you screw that up, that, that count is a closed forever. <laughs> yeah, that's a closed forever. Ever. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just the back and forth. And then, you know, when he finally finds out what happened, basically in this reality or this alternate universe glimpse, whatever you want to call it, he did get on the plane. But then he got a return ticket right away and the next day yeah and came back then big ed her father had a heart attack so now he runs or he manages big ed's tires and she's a non-profit lawyer right and then they have two kids and a dog and they live in suburbia in new jersey but i thought that the interaction with the kid annie i think that was pretty good i think they could have gone without the two grossest scenes of the movie which was changing the diaper because they showed the diaper. I don't know why they had to do that. And then they showed the naked kid. And I don't know why they had to do that. Quick cuts. Quick cuts. Yeah, you didn't need full frontal of an infant male. That's not necessarily... You could easily just show that stream and you kind of get the idea of what's happening. Yeah, he gets pissed on, obviously. Right, which is what little boys do. And diaper, not truthful for the most part. Just to let everyone know out there. That's not usually what that looks like. I have no idea, and I don't plan on knowing. There you go. But that whole scene, though, besides that, is pretty well done with Annie realizing that this is not her father. 
No, not at all. And I like that a lot. You know, the alien thing was, you know, funny because how else is a little girl supposed to understand? Six-year-old going to wrap their head around. Yeah. Okay, well, you look just like him and they did a really good job. And But it's funny that she initially immediately sussed him out. Yes. And now he kind of has a, a partner or uh, someone he can, uh, you know, who knows that I don't know what I'm doing either. You need to help me with these things. Right. And she does. And she does a very good job, except for when he forgets their anniversary. That's the only time. And she apologizes for that, too. Which she, I, yeah, I wouldn't have remembered either. Yeah, sorry, Dad. <laughs> like, yeah, oops, my bad. The, the thing I was also glad about, because I originally thought this at the beginning, was why didn't the dog know that he was different? Yeah, I was kind of waiting for that, too, because they usually play that rule a little bit where the animals are like, that's weird. Like, he always likes you. Like, that's one yeah. thing that movie magic always tends to, like, do. But I think that would have been way too much that Leone would have had to notice that more. On the nose, yeah. Yeah, where Annie did not ever let on right. to her that that was happening or anything. Right. So, yeah, I thought that line was good when she holds him in her hands, like, on his face and says they did a really good job. That's an adorable line for a little kid. And then trying to think for main topics of, of what happened, you had him still not quite understanding things, so he wanted this $2,500 suit. And she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're not getting that suit. Right. And he's like, but I don't feel good unless I have something like this. And then it got into the whole materialistic thing. And then in order for her to feel better... And to give him something to make him feel anywhere near close to being better, she bought a knockoff suit for him that was like this weird shade of green. Green. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's like three, three, two to three shades close to like Riddler green. It was bad. But she was so adorable because she thought this was like the greatest thing. She was so happy she found something right. to make him feel better. Uh. And I think that's the whole thing. I mean, look, this is where it comes in that I actually have feelings and emotions. This is the thought that counts. No, it's not the whole it's the thought that counts. It's the whole wanting someone to know you well like that or wanting someone who loves you to do those type of things for you. You see what I mean? Okay. I forgot. You're, you're a war machine, if anything. You're an unfeeling robot woman. No, I'm more like Iron Man because even Rhodey has feelings or whatever. Ah, uh, good point. <laughs> so... At one point, after he gets the suit, anyways, he's at Big Ed's tires. His old boss ends up actually blowing out a tire and shows up. So he takes the initiative to show him how much he knows about stocks and mergers, gets an interview, and they actually offer him a job. Now, not the same one he had, but he's like, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show that I can do this. And they, right. they give him the perk apartment. They give him this huge salary and he brings Kate to the place and shows her like this is what our life can be now. We can move back into the city. We can put the kids into private schools. And this is where I was a little put off. This is where it completely lost the reality part for me. Yeah, me too. But it's also because my life was completely different than this. She starts bringing up how they left the city on purpose because they didn't want their kids to grow up in the city. Annie has friends and she has a great school. And then, yeah, but see, I don't think that's the real reason they left the city because that's one, that's kind of a crap reason. And two, I believe it was probably a financial thing because you have to put your kids in really good schools in New York or they will be in public schools in New York. And then, eh. and also they left because Big Ed had his heart attack. Right. But don't blame it because, oh, we just don't want to raise the kids in the city. Mm. Right. 
and then, it's expensive to raise kids in a city. Later on, when he kind of apologizes to her, she says that she also has this dream of her and him living in that same suburban house, growing old together, being old people, while like he paints the deck and she does whatever. The grandkids come to visit, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, which, that doesn't mean anything. Cool. Keep the house. Rent the house. Retire to the house. And say so we had to sell the house. We're just going to live in New York. Like, yeah. really? There's lots of reasons. And plus, I don't know if that's the American dream anymore. It's more rare. Yeah. Because, I mean, for me, my family moved around like every two years, every one or two years. So there was never going to be a time where I was going back to an old house and my parents would stay put in one place. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that couldn't be your dream, though. And if anything, because you were dragged around, why would you not want to put down roots and stay where you are? I don't know. That's never been my thing. It's really not. I'm stuck here right now. <laughs> well, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I, I would be gone in a second if I could. So for me, that's never been something. Plus, I am a city person. I could never do suburbs. I can't. Okay. I think suburbs is a, is a strange territory. Could you do boonies? Difference? Uh, suburbs, I could probably spit and hit my neighbor's house. Boonies, you got to drive a little ways to probably find a light pole or even paved roads or like out in the woods. No, I hate that. Why? I decide that the things that bring joy to my life are concerts and electricity and... Flushing <laughs> toilets, non-frozen sinks, you know, the normal things. The, no, the things that I've grown to be accustomed to, yes. That's what I like. Ah, one of them sheltered individuals that just no, it's not one can't of those rough it in the world. Because also, when the zombie apocalypse happens, there it is. when that happens, yes. by the way, I will not be one of those people trying to get out of the city. I'm taking back my city. <laughs> uh, you, you joke. <laughs> I think you no, saw no. how serious I've I was. I've seen the Shaws. I know, I know. Yes, I have a whole plan. But no, no, yes. no. Besides the the only risk of living in a city for a zombie apocalypse is that they'll nuke one of the big cities or all of them. Yeah, Who but knows? not where you live. I don't think so. No. Boston is not popular enough. No matter, you know, no matter what the Boston Marathon movie says, you know, Boston is not the biggest and best of all time and whatever. Oh, I'm so Hater. mad at that movie by the way. So I know, mad. I've seen some of the um fuck that movie. I I'll say it again. Unless all of that money is going to charity from that movie, do not go see that movie. Fuck that movie. Yeah, It's ridiculous. Fair. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're making a movie about that. I don't understand. Anyways, no, I would fight my way in the city, not fight my way out of the city. My whole thing would not be like a 28 days later where they're living out on a farm. That's not my even, goal. Even Walking Dead, you're, they're trying to get away from population, aren't they? Yeah. And I understand that the initial point is there are more zombies in the cities than there are out in the country. But my whole goal would be to take back the city. Fortify. I mean, yeah. pretty much it's going to be a, what, Walking Dead slash purge kind of thing. You want to fortify your building and then just pick off the, the random people walking around. Yeah, and then you, you keep on expanding. Right. You just continue that zone out. So that you have your safe zone continue on until you've got the whole thing locked down. Right. And then you go and you take over the country. Yes. So if you guys are just tuning in, um, we're talking about the family guy <laughs> with Nick Cage. The family man. That too. <laughs> Damn I it. knew he'd fuck that up. Yep. Anyway. So anyway. I think this is around the time then that he starts to understand 
what he loves about her and what she loves about him and how their whole family works. It's not that everything comes back to him. That 13 years is not all of a sudden insert itself into him. That love that that guy had for his family is now there with him. And that's when he's out with Annie and they're messing around the snow and she jumps on top of him and she looks him in the eyes and she says, you know, I knew you'd be back or welcome back. It's one of those two things. Right. A little bit both. Yeah. And it was adorable. It was adorable. And he's like, I love you, Annie. And, you know, now you know, though, that everything's going to be ripped away from him (laughs) because he realizes he hears. So at the beginning, when he goes home, because what he had done is as not himself, the other him had built a bike for Annie for Christmas. So when he goes into the city, not knowing any of this, Don Cheeto ends up giving him a bell for the bike. But he bike thinks it's, but he thinks it's a bell to summon Don Cheeto <laughs> to him. So he Teacher gets, says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. I didn't know you were doing characters now. You like that? You've been doing that recently a lot. Yep. <laughs> so at the beginning of the movie, he just starts ringing the bell because he thinks that's going to make Don Cheadle show up. And then Annie takes it and he gets really upset. He's like, she took my bell. That's, my, that that's my bell. But then when everything's all set and he seems to be comfortable in this life, she shows up behind him and starts ringing that bell. And he thinks, uh-oh, something's going to happen. He goes to a convenience store to pick up some salt. And there's Don Cheadle behind the counter. And he's giving this girl, this girl's buying like a Coke or something. And she puts a dollar down for it. Because remember when Cokes used to be a dollar? But he tells her multiple times that she put down 10. So he gives her the change. So he's testing her. Right. You know, Jack's like, what are you doing here? And he's talking to the girl. And then she leaves. And he's like, what the fuck? Basically. (laughs) He's like, what the fuck? Seriously, dude. Sold your soul for $9. Right. And yeah, I could never, I don't know about you, but if anyone ever does that to me, I always give the money back. No, no, no. When I get wrong change, I give it back. But Jack's like, hey, you can't take this away from me. This is my life. I have kids. And Don Cheadle's like, a glimpse, by definition, is a fleeting thing. <gasps> yep. Oh. And Jack says, nope, I, no, I have kids. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do this. And he leaves. And then, you know, he talks to Kate and he tells her, hey, I know I've been weird the last few days, but I love you and you love me and just promise me that you'll remember me like this. Promise me, keep it in your heart that this, and I think that this is the reason why something happens later on in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Such a jerk. No, because that's bullshit. Because he can make the decision to get on the plane and be successful. But no, when love comes into it at the end of the movie, she can't be like, peace out, dude. You had your chance and go and do what she's supposed to do. No. She'll say, oh, okay, I'll have coffee with you. Me, Stupid. Why didn't you wait five minutes for us to get there before you <laughs> went on your stupid rant? And look, I am not denying that this is Nick Cage's fault. Thank you. I'm not denying. Though, Kate could have also followed him to England as well. Wow. It, let's, let's, is it the 50s? It is. It's a two-way street. <laughs> There are options for both people. I'm going to give up my career and follow you to London because I love you. She could have found another career there. She found a new career. She wasn't going to be a nonprofit lawyer. She ended up finding a new career once he came back anyways. No, 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 no. He had his thing and then she had her thing. So one of them was going to have to give up their thing. 
Yes, and that's what happened for both of them. They both gave up their things. She wasn't going to be a nonprofit lawyer. Well, I know, but her dad had a heart attack, too. But that's what I'm saying is both of them ended up giving up their careers in a different way. Okay. Yeah. I'm, just I'm being, still saying the dude should do the right. grander gesture first. That's so gender-specific <gasps> of you. Why? I know. Why? I thought we lived at a time now that we didn't have no, to deal with this that stuff. this was 2000. Don't even get This is 16 years ago. <laughs> Back in the day. By the way, you know, you being a woman, because we have talked about this, I did not assume that we have talked about that. I saw so many, like when I was taking the train out and stuff, commercials and billboards and whatnot for rings and people I know are getting married. How is that whole ring thing? How has that not gone away? I don't know, because apparently you can do like a drive through divorce now. So who gives a shit about a ring, which is supposed to represent eternity? That's why it's a circle. Right. And I mean, we can go into the whole thing about how it's been used to make money from the diamond industry, all that shit for sure. But then in general, though, with how many people talk about equality and not taking people's names and like all this kind of stuff, how are rings still a thing that a guy has to buy a woman a ring? I don't get why I can't buy you a ring and lock your ass down. So you have to wear this shit so people know that you're locked down. As opposed to, I have to wait till I actually marry you to own you? That's bullshit. I like how it's all own. <laughs> Legally, you. I'm locked to you. I own you. I'm completely fine with that. I have no problem if a woman has to buy a ring for the guy. I don't I'm know. With this. Uh, none of this affects my machismo or whatever the fuck that is. What is it called? Machismo, right? Mojo. No, no, machismo. Yeah. No, none of this affects my manhood. You know what I mean? I just, who gives a well, shit? Depends on the ring. I am. I don't know. I think the gaudier the better. <gasps> Ooh, a made man. How just, lovely. Anyway. So yeah, the ring thing is just very strange to me still. And there are many people that still expect it. Oh, no. Yeah. So he says he loves the kids, gives them kind of a goodbye type of thing. And it looks like he wants to stay up the entire night so that he can't wake up in his original bed. But of course, he ends up nodding off. And then he does wake up back in New York City, back in his old life. It is now once again Christmas. So it's almost like, right. yeah, it's almost like a Christmas carol where the ghosts did all their things within. <laughs> yeah, that time period, yeah. but it didn't actually move. Forward. It's, uh, it's kind of like Groundhog's Day, too. A little bit. But so this time he does everything kind of opposite. Even though this hot woman shows up to have sex with him, he leaves the apartment and he drives out to New Jersey and he goes back to the house. But no one that he knows is living there. Right. He goes back and now there's an issue with the merger. So he has to go in and everyone's like, what's the matter with you? You look weird. What's going on? And he basically gives this like, oh, you know, I'll just go and I'll do this because I'm utterly alone. Well, this is what I do and this is what I'm good at. And I'm alone and that's just the way it'll always be. But he then, as he's driving, decides, no, I'm not going to go to the airport and go help with this merger. I'm going to see what Kate wanted when she left her number. So he shows up at her house, and she's moving. She's moving to Paris. So the reason why she contacted him was because she has a box full of his shit. For 13 years. Which is a surprise. Now, Kelly, tell me, is this a normal thing? Like, I do know I have had this happen before, where I got back together with a girl, and she had a box of my shit still trophies from previous conquests <laughs> of course and you do. i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily say that i like have cds and bullshit like that but there, there's there's some trophies that i'm like and now this is mine that's why you move into a house so you'd have the room 
Yes, I, the, 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 yes, in the attic. <laughs> I'm having shelving built, actually. Yes. Come on. That joke deserved a lot more than you gave it. Because it's true. All right. <sighs> I'm wasting jokes on you. All right. So <laughs> anyway. But yes, I have had that happen. So I know the 13-year thing, though, that's a little, that's a little long. It's a little clingy. It's a little long. Yeah, yeah. A little, little clingy. Yeah. But she and doesn't. And it's all crap, too. Like, yeah. It's nothing good. She pays him no mind, basically, when they're there. I mean, she well, hands no, the box okay. and he's like, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. You know, you can go to Paris anytime because they are both extremely rich. They're both rich. Their jobs do not depend on these little things that are happening. You're, you're completely glossing over this, that she is clearly a stage five clinger. She's held on to useless shit for 13 years and any good stalker can play it cool in front of the victim. Every girl's done that. No, I haven't been stalking your Instagram with my other two fake accounts. <laughs> like, seriously? She is definitely not a stalker. You've seen the movie, so you know the ending. You know she's not a stalker. I just think that's weird. Yes, I I agree. 13 years is a long time to hold on to a box of shit. What I'm guessing is because she's an art collector and she has a pretty big apartment, and she probably just stuffed that box into the back of her like 10-foot-long closet or whatever and just forgot about it. No, I can get that. I'm, I can guarantee you there's at least two boxes that I will open up and I'll be like, why do I keep carrying this shit around with me? I don't use this. And you leave it in the box and you put it in the attic. So that's what she did. So stop calling right. her a stalker. She's just not the kind of, I mean, she's a fun style. Like, who do, who would want to be stalked by her? That's, that's, that's your issue here. Yeah. Leonie's extremely hot. I would love to be stalked by her. I'm saying. Like even now, she's probably like 50 or whatever. That sounds right. And she looks great. Just saying. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I know. She's fucking great. So you enjoyed the whole dancing naked, singing in the shower scene. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, that was good, too. <laughs> it was rated PG-13, so you didn't get to see any of that stuff. But it was a good little silhouette there, yeah, though. It was kind of fun. Yeah. I just like his shocked face when she just opens the shower yeah. door and she's like, yeah, it's your day. You deal with the kids. Yeah. She shuts the shower door. And you've been married for 13 years, so <laughs> I think you've seen each other naked plenty of times. A couple times. Yeah. So when he gets kind of pushed to the side, he goes back to his apartment and he's looking through the box and then you have the cliche let me race <gasps> to the airport and get to this now this was a year before 9-11 right so you could still pull this off so he races there it's the security line and she's about to get up there and he goes kate kate don't get on that plane she comes back now instead of just falling for anything right away you know she's like no i'm not gonna go get coffee i'm going to paris like do you need closure like, you did hurt me back then, but it's been 13 years, and I moved on, and you should move on, too. So she yeah. goes back, and this was kind of, there were two funny parts here for me, anyways. One was, she went back in line to where she was before. Oh, yeah. Which isn't normally what happens. And then the second thing was, as Nick Cage then starts to do this whole monologue about the life that he just experienced, people are like not paying attention to what he's saying. And he's saying it in a very loud tone, but everyone's oh, yeah. trying to not pay attention whatsoever. It's New York, one. It's Kennedy at New York. And two, if you're a first-class passenger, trust me, they'll cut other passengers in line to still be the first people on the plane. Really? Wow. Yeah. But yeah, he goes on a monologue. Their house in Jersey and Annie and the little kid and everything that goes on. And this kind of hypnotizes her where she kind of comes back to him and he asks her, he's like, look, and I did like this too. He says, both of us are doing well and we could easily go our separate ways and be fine. But he says, I know that we can be better than that. So let's get that cup of coffee 
and that does go ahead and kind of change her mind and that's where they leave the movie while the credits roll is him and her at a coffee place or whatever drinking and laughing so you don't really know if anything really works out between them so I do like that they could have easily done a flash forward it's two hours and six minutes already they could have added another four minutes and had a five years later and had them where she was pushing out Annie and he goes like hey let's let's call this let's call this child Annie (laughs) (laughs) that one got you that one got you oh my god and cut to credits like really (laughs) I could have easily seen them give each other like a look of like lovingness and like I want to call her Annie and then cut to credits but that's what I mean they didn't do that they didn't do that no thank god and I do think that one of the reasons why she agreed to have that cup of coffee was because of the moment where he's talking to her and he tells her, you got to promise me that you'll remember me like I am right now. Right. So not that she was going to remember any of that time. No, but something was there. Yeah, some feeling, some emotion that says you should go with him because this is the right thing to do. And that's the end of the movie. Yay, Christmas! The rich get richer and happier. Exactly. <laughs> I Like I said, I think that's the hardest part of the movie. When you look at A Christmas Carol, that's a rich person, obviously, who gets their life turned around. But when they do, they become more charitable to yeah, everyone around them. Yeah, but that was a them. shitty rich person who gets turned around. Right. This is a good rich person who gets turned around. I don't know. I like this movie for what it is. I would never watch this on a regular basis. I think this is something that when the holidays come around, it's an easy one to put on in the background while you're wrapping gifts or something. Like, I don't think it's... So's Love Actually. No, that's incredibly difficult to watch, so I would not do that. I have not seen Love Actually. I would not watch it. Interesting. Is it? Is it really? Yeah, it is actually with you. Why? There's like four characters I could totally see you relating to. I don't like movies because I relate to the characters. Eh. So are you saying you don't relate to Nick Cage at all? There's no separate path that you wish you had chosen? No, I wish mm. for separate paths every day. <laughs> like every second of every day. I'm like, what if I had done this? Yeah, but that's just regret. and That's so sad. No, you want to hear a fun story I was going to save for Ian Hates Love, but I think it's appropriate to talk about it right now. Oh, I'm excited. One of my exes that happened at Christmas. It happened Christmas Eve. I think it was a few years ago. We had gone out to her family for, it was actually in New York. So this also kind of attaches itself multiple ways. Hmm. So we were going out to her family for like the day before Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve. And then I was going to be with my parents Christmas Eve night and Christmas. That was the plan. She had to drive me because she drove from here down there. Because I was then going to be driven to the, one of the ferry kind of things. Right, right. So I was going to be taken by ferry to my parents. And then I was going to hitch a ride back with my sister. So she ended up driving me to the ferry. And on the way, she said, so my mom brought this up and I wanted to ask you, so are you going to pay me gas money? I'm not kidding. Seriously? i completely honest. On Christmas Eve, a girl that I paid for everything, absolutely everything, she, her mother had brought up to her to ask me if I was going to give her gas money. Now, mind you, 
that that part doesn't surprise me because that's what moms do, especially because I don't know my just, my parents no, no, would no. never. The mom, no, no, the mom doesn't necessarily know that you've been paying for all this shit with her, and she just wants to make sure her daughter's not being taken advantage of. But the girl, the woman you were dating, knows that you've done all this shit for her, and you know what? You just go, yeah, okay, mom, and you don't actually tell the person that, especially if you but know that, like, really, and especially because she also expected it too. Oh no, exactly. Oh yeah, this wasn't this wasn't just like, sure, you can tell me what your mom thought and I would be like, Oh, yeah, well your mom's a crazy that. person. Yeah. It's more yeah, how does that happen? And how do you legitimately expect me to oh, ever give right, you gas? I should money? Ask. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? And also if we're gonna start being even on money right. and oh, stuff like, Oh right. shit. I mean, you could just look at the amount of gifts I got her compared to what I got. And you could have told, like, how much money I spent on her on a regular yeah, but basis. It's one of those things, but you set those kind of relationships up. Like, one of me and my really good girlfriends. We don't really talk about it, but, like, we'll go out to lunch. I'll get it. Next time she'll get it. We'll do yeah. that. Like, that's just how that's set up. Right. I've had relationships like that where, you know what, we're both kind of strapped. So, you know what, this time, since you want to do it, you're paying for it. I want to do this. I'm paying for it. But that's that's just known. Sure. But that's so I do. You look. don't just spring it on somebody. Like, seriously? Yeah. That's why it's a little bit harder for me. I think when I talk about choosing a different path in life for that kind of stuff, for relationships and everything, it's more choosing that path and then hoping that a lot of other things are different as well. You see what I mean? Right. Okay. Yeah, because I can easily, on the holidays, you can get depressed and be like, oh, I'm not with anybody. It would be great if I went back to that time where I was with somebody. You can easily, come on, that happens with so many people during the holidays kelly's shaking her head like this is not a human emotion that happens no yes it's why the suicide rate is so high in the holidays gremlins told us that and it is a fact yeah but you can also die in a chimney according to gremlins too and you can and no we didn't do gremlins two we did gremlins one there it is but um there Uh, anyway i don't i see i don't understand that Yes. I'm one of those people who are completely happy being alone because I'm okay with myself and my own thoughts. I don't need to be entertained or distracted by another human being. We've shown many, many times that you are a robot. We understand, <laughs> Kelly. I know I'm supposed to be the one without the emotions and without the feelings, but we know for sure that Kelly is the more cold They just one. get in the way and complicate things. They do. People and their damn drama. That is absolutely true. I'm not going to deny that. But there is something to say about love. Not the whole being around someone and have them annoy you part. Yeah, but let's get into that if we're going to have that kind of a discussion. Because <laughs> Are we that definition have that discussion? is extremely different to every single goddamn person you talk to. Well, I love this person. Yeah. But do they love you the same way that you love them? Because those words are very different to different people. Yes. That's what makes relationships and finding someone very complicated. Yeah, close your eyes, shoot in the dark, and hopefully they have the same definition as you. That sounds awesome, not torture at all. Yes. Are we going to now start talking about how dating is torture? Because, yes, it can certainly be. This is what Ian Hates Love is supposed to be about. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. Yay, 2017. Woo! Yep. This is just a little inkling of the stories that I can tell. It's going to be great. Yes, and the perspective that I bring to these situations. Yes. This is great. So you're going to have other females on, and then I'm the robot. So who else is being brought into this situation? <laughs> I, we're not talking about that now. There might be surprises. Who knows? <gasps> Ooh, tune in. Yes, tune in to find out. <laughs> All right. So we're done with that. I just want to tell that little story because it did happen 
on Christmas. Yeah, but how Eve. did you react? Did you just start laughing? Because that's what I would have. Oh yeah, I did. Oh oh yeah, because I'm not an upfront person. No, I said you've got to be <laughs> fucking kidding me. It's Christmas Eve and you're asking me for money. I think I said something like, "You have right now to take it back." And yes, I, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I I definitely did. And oh. she was like, she was like, "What do you mean?" No, I think it is good to know if you were going to pay me for this stuff. And I go, now you've done it. So then I just went and I had enlisted everything that I pay for her. And that shut her right up. And then she started crying. I was like, how is this my fault? Why would you, as a human being who supposedly loves me, why on Christmas Eve would you ask me for money for you driving me somewhere where I do all of this for you because I love you? When you talk to me like that, it seems like you don't love me. No, yeah. So that obviously set her off as well. But at that point, I wasn't trying to help her feelings because I couldn't believe that someone that I loved would do that. You see Hence, what I mean? knowing the right definition to these things and if they, you know. Remember the match game when you were little where you're like, hey, you got to find the other duck since you found a duck the first time. Oh, nope, that's a pig. And you keep playing or oh, it's me. the next person term. That's what this is. It's a crapshoot. Anyways, I ended up forgiving her. What? By the fairy. Yeah, because That's she was crying. Crap. She was crying and apologizing. What were you, 12? How did that work on you? Because I loved her at the time. What? I've always been a romantic, Kelly. I have always been a romantic. Blind to red flags. And is, I like people. Oh, yes. I have dated many a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> we know that. We already know that. But but I don't. Uh, it hurts to think about. Okay. It, it shouldn't. Your robot emotions should have no place. No, it's, here. it's one of those like you're making me like like you know when they overprocess and then their head explodes because you made them feel feelings. Like it's that kind of. It's just the way it is, Kelly. Wait till Ian hates love, so we can talk about more of these crazy stories. Fine. So Kelly, would you recommend the Family Man? Um, if you want to slowly bring like your um minor children into a nick cage world i think this is a good transition to ease ease them into it that's a good way to look at it yeah i mean for me i'd say it's a relatively cliche movie but doesn't follow all of the cliches that it could true so it's one of those things where all the acting is pretty good so it's not like you're watching fucking christmas shoes or something on lifetime oh yeah it's something where sure Watch your favorites, you know, watch your nostalgic, you know, your traditional movies that you watch on a regular basis during the holidays. But then, you know, if you have time, you can throw this one in and you get to say like, hey, I'm watching a movie with Nick Cage on the holidays. There you go. So, Kelly, do you have anything you would like to plug? Sure. You can always find me on Facebook at Nerdy Girl Ivy and follow me on Instagram. Same tag, Nerdy Girl Ivy. All of the links to help support Ian Hates Movies are in the description of this episode, so I'm not going to run through those. Remember that we are still continuing the contest to have you rate and leave a comment on iTunes to further the show. It does really help us a lot, and we do have merchandise coming in 2017, so keep an eye out for that. Now, this is the final episode of 2016, (gasps) so we will be back in 2017 with a whole shit ton more movies. Woo! We have the anniversary show coming up, so look yes. forward to that. I'm hoping that everything we have planned comes together for that because I think people will very much enjoy that show. Absolutely. And then we'll just continue on doing what we're doing and getting better, and hopefully everyone's really enjoying it because we really enjoy doing it. So 2016 fucking blue. 
Hopefully 2017 will be much, much better. I know that's putting a lot of pressure. Yeah, I guess it's putting a lot of, (laughs) yeah, putting a lot of pressure on a year because we picked an arbitrary day to turn into a new year. True. So that's what we're doing. So hopefully everyone has a continued safe and happy holiday. Enjoy yourselves. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So Kelly, do you have anything you'd like to say to everyone before we leave? Nope. You have nothing that you want to say as your final words for 2016. May the force be with you. You could have done a diehard line. You could have done... Uh, uh, You'll shoot your eye out. Okay, there you go. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.